Welcome to Go Home Heat, an NXT TakeOver In Your House podcast featuring Lit Nick, live from Atlanta, GA. How you doing? In my own house. In my own house. I am doing good. Good deal. Good deal. Okay, old old school In Your House intro. Uh, Naomi Fox does a singing thing. Todd Pentagill, I believe is his name is your host for the evening. It's the largest capital city wrestling crowd they have had and capital city wrestling center crowd they have had. Yes. Uh, everybody was forced to wear masks or asked, or everybody I saw was wearing a mask other than the announcers. I do think that hindered a little bit of the screaming and hollering that you would uh, normally see at one of these. The last match was very... NXT-ish, you know, before the crazy AEW crowds, NXT was, like, famous for their crowds, right? And tonight was, I will say this, too. They didn't get a whole lot of baby faces going over tonight. You know, and and, and that kind of hurts the, uh, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. I still felt. That being said, the crowd was still. Electric at certain points. Let's not get it twisted here. Absolutely. Absolutely. They just weren't jumping up and down, and they weren't uh, – the front rows were, and they weren't able to – I mean, you know you know how it is. We all have worn masks in the last year. You know how it is. It's just kind of hard to scream through them, you know? So let's get into this thing. We start out with MSK and the Colossal Bronson Reed versus Legato Del Fantasmo. Uh, Santos's plan early on looked like he was going to try to win the belt without fighting Reed. Uh, he did manage to try to slam Reed at one point and got squished because um, he couldn't keep him up. He did manage to hit a Mikinochu driver on Reed, which was nice. I thought the oh, action yeah. got fast and furious down the stretch. I thought the ending was great where you had Escobar distract himself when he sees the belt and he grabs it and kind of yells at the camera and walks into the line of fire as Reed squishes him and they go through the barricade, through the fence and the plexiglass and that effectively takes him out. Wild has been taken out and MSK hit their finish, and then you have to eat the Tsunami Bomb. What did you think of this match? A good starter. A good starter. I also really dug how the beginning of the match, like you could tell the audience was like, really excited to see Escobar and them. And then how did he turn it around? Is because that he heard. Everyone was cheering for Reed and said, I'm going to be the cowardly heel for a little bit. And tag this guy in to get everyone to boo me again. It was a smart little thing at the beginning he did. And from and this is like small detail that I that you just didn't go or that I wanted to bring up. Other than that, you hit everything on the head. It was a fun time. Bronson's a big old boy and a very fun, very fun duo with MSK. Good time. Good time. Great call. Great call on that, by the way. On the um, Escobar seeing that. He's not the heel per se right now, and knowing something has to be done about that. Great call on your part, because that's one of the little things that makes it work, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's something that happens throughout the entire 
um, throughout the entire pay per view, which is some heels just get cheered because a they're just popular and b it's just the first time they've had a big crowd like this full of fans in a long time. So, well, one of those heels is not going to be a heel for much longer. We'll get to that too. So yeah. we everybody maintains their belts. We still have the same North American champion in Reed. We still have the same. I'm assuming that the Grizzled Young Vets are moving into the line of fire with MSK for a little bit. That'll be a good program. I don't know what happens with Escobar and company. I would not be surprised to see them on a different roster in the coming weeks. I hope to goodness somebody gets who they are on a different roster because Escobar can be as much as you want him to be as long as you let him cheat and you just let him ooze cool, which is what he does when he's walking around. Absolutely. Okay. We get a grudge match here. We get back-to-back grudge matches as Zia Lee and... Mercedes Martinez square off. I love Z's entrance, the, the presentation of her as she will use different uh, martial arts weapons to show her versatility in her training uh, along with the music and the dragon floating around the different screens around the building. It is well done. Boa is with her to kind of help. Uh, I, I like this match. What did you like? What did you think about this match? I enjoyed it. Um, the ending is something I want to talk about as well, but yeah, it really okay. does just show how well, because this whole thing is ba- basically Zaya trying to prove to not only the uh, enigmatic Dragon lady in the corner, but also to herself that she can beat Mercedes because as they pointed out in like the previous thing, Mercedes got the best of her at the Mae Young Classic that's been hanging over her head, apparently, for a little bit. Correct. So you see, like, the kind of returning to those, A, the fact that they're just immediately, she's, like, going after her, like, going for her face and everything just because she wants to prove something. Then you also saw some, like, moves mirroring back to the Mae Young Classic throughout. It was just, it was very good. And to see, uh, not to spoil it, if you want to tackle it, but to see Zaya take the win, take the dub, Finally, after all this time, great for her. Can't wait to see where she moves on forward. I think she's a face. I think. I, I don't know. All I know is Spooky Dragon Lady is spooky. Um, and I do want to talk about what happened after the match, as I said prior. But I'll let you talk about the match first. Okay, well, I think you're you're spot on where the difference between the Mae Young Classic and, and, and this matchup here which is the story you told was the training segments we saw where she was, you know, kicking the, the kicking different things to make her legs stronger and punching different things. And then the, the way they would almost tort, not almost, they would just basically torture her to train her in the, in the martial arts further than she had already been trained after she went through a losing streak in NXT. And she kind of found herself, she, she hurt herself. She kicked the ring post, which she's got these tremendous kicks anyway. She goes to try to finish Mercedes. So you wind up, Mercedes had been nursing a rib injury that Zia put on her earlier in the, in, in the rivalry in a different episode. And you have, so they both are kind of dealing with these injuries and you have Lee able to overcome the injury and hit a 
tremendous. I somebody called that a spinning bird kick. Uh, online five uh five deuce four tray seven at five deuce four tray seven. He he uh I love that guy's feed. I, sometimes when I'm watching. If I can't watch wrestling, I'll just read his feed and get a kick out of it and then watch the whole show later. He called it that. What else did he call? He, I think the the really nifty Martinez move where she kind of held her up like she was going to do the Razor Ramon uh, cross throw, and then it turns into a Royal Butterfly suplex. I thought that was cool. And, of course, what you were going to get to later. Now, the, the spinning kick... For Lee to be able to get her foot at her size, 5'10", 5'11", off the ground, spinning, rotating, and kick that well is just, I mean, that's kind of a next level thing because she's 5'2", you know? And so for her to be able to do that also puts her into a realm where she can deal with people bigger than her in some of these matches. Now, that said, she gets the win. Boa wants her to go for more. He rolls a chair in. Mercedes fights off the chair from her, gets the chair from her, attacks her with the chair and then goes after um give me just a, after the dragon lady right a little bit right Mei Ying goes after Mei Ying and she says I'm not scared of you and she's gonna hit uh Yim uh Lee uh Zia Lee again and Mei Ying arises out of the chair and goes down the ramp and as as Mercedes lifts the chair to try to hit her she gets her with the Tongan death grip in the throat which is obviously it's not Tongan when she's using it boom she gets her in the throat it gets fought off once as she's going for a second time with the chair she gets her in the throat throws her off the stage with it and then they are standing tall at the end I loved it what did you think uh, yeah, it's a very fun time. The match was great. Again, that finisher, that kick, just every time I see it, it blows my mind. <laughs> it blows the mind of whoever gets hit by it. <laughs> but also, just if we've learned anything from watching any movies and any form of media, you don't mess with the dragon lady. You don't do it. There's a simple fine line. Someone in the corner. Wearing weird, like, lace over their faces, looking very ominous steam around them. You don't walk up to them with a chair. They'll find a way to kill you. And Mercedes, you got to learn. You got to learn the hard way sometimes, I guess. But, you know, we we, we live, we, we learn. Right. Right. Okay, so we get into the million-dollar match next. Uh, Ted DiBiase comes out. They place a glass case... They place the belt in a glass case. They arise it above the ring. We start this thing out. We have L.A. Knight. The crowd is clearly behind Cameron Grimes to the point where this is supposed to be a heel versus heel thing. And Cameron is so easy to like even when he's trying to be dastardly. He's just a funny guy. And he plays off of that. And this role they've put him in works so well. The crowd's chanting, L.A. Night sucks. Come on, Grimes. Um, and we forget sometimes that Cameron can really, really wrestle. He's very good at pro wrestling. And he's very good at all the other aspects of it when they 
when he gets to lean into kind of who he is. L.A. Knight, when he gets to get on his offense in this thing. Okay, I'll just say this real quick. When you have a ladder match and neither guy's a high flyer, it puts a degree of difficulty on the match because we are so trained by what the Dudley boys and the Hardys did and Christian and Edge did you know, all those years ago in the first TLC matches that we expect any ladder match to be crazy, whether it's the, you know, the NXT, one of the greatest matches I've ever seen live where Ricochet does the backflip off the moving ladder onto the, onto the ground. It just so many. So you have, so your degree of difficulty is higher to get people engaged, right? It has to be some form of a emotional story and bruising because there has to be a benefit to the being ladders and Knight is physically strong enough to did you notice how quickly he was able to set up booby traps with ladders how many yeah, times something I noticed throughout the entire like uh, match was a the, how quick Knight was with, with putting everything up but also B how well both of them but specifically Knight I would say for a lot of it was able to just immediately maneuver and know when and where to, to go and how to push things. Because for a little bit, it was torn between L.A. Knight and Cameron until L.A. knew what buttons to push to have everyone eventually scream, L.A. LA sucks, which thank goodness they weren't in Los Angeles. Right. But, um, right. But like the one of my favorite things that they that he did was like, he would talk to someone like through the glass and hey, you want to meet Cameron? You want to meet Cameron? Grabs him by the head, smacks him against the plexiglass. Right. And then immediately goes up to Ted DiBiase like, does that, does that look like a million-dollar champion to you? That, like, mwah, beautiful character work. Mwah, right. You, I love it. And those moments would give Cameron the opportunity to flip the script, right? And Yeah, absolutely. And then you get Cameron on top for a little while. And then, of course, the finish winds up being, you know, Cameron gets L.A. out. And he doesn't utilize the ladders that are near him. He wants to use the gold ladder. And he screams, I want the gold. And he walks the runway to get that ladder and bring it back. It takes him a little while. And that, of course, allows for L.A. Knight to get him right before he gets to the ladder, to tip the ladder over. We get the spot where Grimes falls from the gold ladder onto the Erictus set that Knight had set up outside of the ring on the runway. Boom, he falls into it. Knight grabs it, and Knight is your million-dollar man. Now, Ted, with Ted DiBiase's endorsement, and you have Cameron Grimes, at we would assume will be this really low level come Tuesday night, but we just know better because the crowd is going to love him now. This was, he's, the I think that NXT figured out whether it's Sean or Hunter or Steve Carino or whoever, Terry, Taylor, whoever, figured out, look, the crowd is starting to like this kid. He's funny. And if we want him to be what he can be as this weird tweener, comedy act, wrestler, he can't win this belt. He's got to lose because they want him to win, and all of a sudden our affection just goes towards him even more, right? Yeah. It's a thing where, like, it's similar to that of MJF with the uh, with the AEW ring. That million dollar belt is a heel prop, hundred percent of the time. Right. Um, while 
while you want Cameron to get it, if you want long-term storytelling to have L.A. Knight have it, makes the most sense. I know we've been building up Cameron with his money thing, but to have L.A. be the one to take it and flaunt it over everyone makes more sense. In LA, if you want people to boo him. And L.A. is fantastic on the stick. So he is going to take that prop and create magic with it. And Cameron is going to create this disappointment and create magic with it. I can't wait for Tuesday Oh, night. yeah. Cameron's doing a great job. I like While I've been gushing over L.A. night most of this match, Cameron was also like, both of them are the MVPs of this match. Because what I saw Cameron do in this match, how he was able to maneuver through the ropes at one point, was just spectacular stuff. Like this, I think, is tied for my favorite match of the night because of just how well the two work together. I was very happy by the end. Right, right. Quickly, one spot that I loved, and it was the mic that that made it. Beth and um, Barrett were fantastic all night. So was Vic Joseph. But the spot where Cameron goes to hit him with the ladder between the legs and Barrett calls it the missed marbles spot. He says he missed his marbles on that. was so funny. And, of course, the spot was great because night standing allows for the neck breaker onto the ladder, which is... That was my favorite move. Of the ma- I, I forgot about that. And I remember when I saw it, like, that's great. And now I'm thinking back, like, that's... Ooh, it's such a good... It was so painful to watch, but it was something that was so well done. Wow. Great. Right, right. Sorry about those technical difficulties there, folks. Then we get the uh, backstage segment where they're selling merch. Uh, Hit Row kind of really kills it right here. They were funny. They were clever. Uh, I like them together, and that's just kind of showcased that a little bit. And then you have the brawl back. The obligatory Pete Dunn versus Cross backstage. I'm going to kill you thing, uh, which is setting up something that happens post-show. Then we have the women's championship match, Mercedes Martinez versus Ember Moon. This is both a championship match and a grudge match. Um, after a quick moon flurry, Martinez begins to brutalize Ember. Gonzalez's snatch, swoop, sidewalk slam on Ember was so nice, and I'm sure that Ember had a lot to do with that looking that smooth. So well done. This match was well-paced. Ember's offense is so good right now, and she sells like just a million bucks. This is as good as Gonzalez has looked since winning the title. Since not being in the ring with Io. (laughs) We'll put it it that way. And And Ember's fantastic wrestler. Every time Ember has a chance to win this thing, Dakota Kai, who was helping out, continues to help cheat. As after she hits an eclipse on her, she 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 sends to the top rope. Uh, Ember hits the eclipse. She sends to the top rope. We have Dakota trying to cheat again. Shotzi returns from injury, chases her around, chases her up into the flower pot. Then backstage, as they continue to brawl, um, we think at this point. I think at this point, well, this is the normal thing where Gonzalez will pull it out because of all the baloney, right? But they allow Ember to maintain offense here as she does hit a tornado DDT outside of the ring. Takes her a while to get Gonzalez into the ring due to Gonzalez's just sheer size. 
Gonzalez kicks out on two. When she goes for that second eclipse, Gonzalez knows it's coming. Fights it off. Lawn darts Ember into the lawn darts Ember into the turnbuckle. Turns it around into her Chinegoe Chinegoe bomb. I, I'm trying to say whatever it was that <laughs> Beth Phoenix called it at the end of the match. Boom. Uh, one, two, three. I felt like it was a fantastically crazy setup match. The interference was limited to maybe three spots, but they were vital spots. The the Ember had her, hit her with the finish, and she's laying close to the ropes. She's out cold. Kai throws Gonzalez's leg onto the rope. A couple of times she walks up onto the apron. All that works. Ember looks like a million bucks. If you want to put Ember into another program with her down the road, or if you want to put the big belt on her down the road, you absolutely can. If you want Shotzi and Ember to get back together and go for these belts, you can do that as well. Gonzalez, being your new champion, has to have matches like this and look this good in order for her to matter, and it happened. And I was worried about it not happening. They put her in the ring with the right person. What did you think, Nick? hit the nail on the head yet again. Again, it is a thing where, like, in order to really kind of establish her reign, you need the right dancing partner, like, off the off the bat, and EO followed by Ember are great dancing partners to have, so to speak. Right. Like, it, it is, they have established her as a huge monster in her own right, while still kind of showing that Going off the embers still got it. It wasn't a squash match by any means, but it still kind of showed how dominant she was. I feel like that was the most important thing. Also, good to see Shotzi back. Absolutely. Uh, really good to see her back. Absolutely. I also felt like, I mean, I also feel like this style of interference by Kai, at some point, Gonzalez can begin to say, hey, you know, you don't have to help me, right? You know, I can do this on my own. Which leads oh, us, yeah. which will lead us to the Dakota Kai Gonzalez match, which has to happen at some point. Oh, and, you know that's happening in the future at some point. Yes, and Kai is so good that we know we have that level of a match here in the next year, somewhere in this title reign. That match is going to be high level as well, and you can put her in there with with a lot of people and have these kind of matches. Okay. Going on to our main event of the evening. Now, there was another fight. Uh, as Was it Cross when he was walking to the to the gorilla position? One of them was walking to no, gorilla. No, it was Gargano. It was Gargano. Right. Back, yeah, of course. The I got overwhelmed by the HBK outfit he was wearing. God love John Gargano. Um, just so. It's a mix between HBK and also Magneto. Yes. House of M. The kick boots were Magneto. That's right. The, the jacket he wore out there was HBK. Um, but he just is such a student of the game, and he pays tribute to both those of us that are into the graphic novel world or the Marvel Universe or the DC Universe. Well, he, he stays kind of into Marvel, but you get where I'm coming from. And those of us who understand pro wrestling or have followed pro wrestling a long time understand his love for it just by how he treats the sport. When he gets into the ring, he, he did the jog like he was HBK there for a second. Now, the important part was, though, for the thing that happens post this match is more chaos backstage, more fighting backstage. And then, of course, 
as, as Shotzi and Kai are still brawling. Now, Johnny comes out, Dunn comes out, Arata comes out. Cross's entrance is magnificent, as always. Then we get a match, and the, the story of the match and the story we're telling, and they have not done an incredible job uh, because when Cross is one-on-one with guys, in order for the match to be good, there has to be a lot more give and take than you want out of a guy who's kind of a killer, right? Mm-hmm. And Finn took him to his limits and things like that, okay? So they booked this match where you have four smaller guys, all fantastic pro wrestlers, versus a killer. And they booked Cross like a grizzly bear in this thing. He would fight... Like at the beginning of the match, he takes on two or three of them early on, and then he winds up outside of the ring, and then you have like a match between the other four participants. And that happens time and again to the point where he's throwing guys around and he decides, I'm going to go take out Adam Cole, who had run his mouth, and he's got Cole up there for the kill. Cole rakes the eye. Um, even Grizzly Bears have vulnerable eyes. And that's when Dunn and Gargano double up on him and, and hit him with a series of kicks that drives him through a door, so crosses out of the way. And then we have a little match between everybody else. And inside of those matches, you would have a grapple-off with Dunn and O'Reilly or a strike-off with Cole and O'Reilly. And it was really neat the way they would do that. And then right as you kind of forget about Cross he comes back in and he dominates the action for this little time period until they decide, oh, we got to, we got to, uh, we have we to team up to get rid of him again, right? Eventually, that winds up leading him to be double teamed by the undisputed former undisputed era partners, Cole and O'Reilly, who plant him on the announcers table, which gives everybody another run. At the end of that run, you have Pete Dunne standing outside of the ring after he has dismantled Cole and then everybody kind of dismantled everybody else. So there's one man standing alone right there. And there are so many fantastic spots. I know I'm, I'm, I'm maybe you'll tell us about a couple of them when I kick it over, but then cross arises. And then we get those two guys in the middle of the ring who can hold the ring. And this turns into another series of fights. The finish is so spectacular as Cross has got this thing put away, and and Cole gives him the knee to the back of the head. Then he super kicks one guy on the apron, super kicks another guy on the apron, super kicks another guy on the apron. So he's got it to where he can finish off um, O'Reilly if he wants. O'Reilly knows what's coming, and O'Reilly ducks, gets him in the heel hook. Then he gets him in a double heel hook. Cole has nowhere to go. He's going to tap. Cross comes to, rolls over. Gets O'Reilly in the hold, and as Cole is ready to tap, the hold gets looser because O'Reilly's going to sleep. And the crowd, it felt like the air got sucked out of the building because they thought their guy was going to win. And I know that pay-per-views aren't supposed to end like this, but this is exactly how you had to book this match if your champion is a killer and he's not leaving. And what did you think? As I said, I had two favorite matches. If you haven't guessed, this is my other one. Um, for me, what like like you said, like the way they booked Cross in this was just 
10 out of 10 fantastic. The way that he's able to maneuver with these guys, just toss them around like they're ragdolls was great. The selling was on point for especially Cole, who just knows how to throw his bodies and flail around like he's about to die. But I think like when, like whenever it was just like the four against either Cross or themselves, that's where like it felt like the match really kind of was at its best because you would get these rant like not necessarily well sometimes it felt like it was random but it just felt like these really new double teams that I hadn't seen before like you'd see Pete Dunn and Gargano take out Kyle O'Reilly then you would see Adam Cole and Gargano take out Pete Dunn and then you would see Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole take out Cross like I said earlier. And it it, threw, it was in these really one really quick sequence I remember where it just was back to back to back to back to back where Kyle was holding down Pete Dune after like he just teamed up with Adam Cole to do something and then this Gargano Mealy just ran up did like basically coup de gras on his stomach to knock him out that was just it was a the, the match just starts at ninety and just keeps going up the entire way and it, it but and you would think like okay that would get exhausting and. But it, it's able to paint itself in a really good way, mainly because of how well they're able to plant the Gargano rests. And, and Pete Dunn just knows how to lessen a tempo without making it feel like it's being lessened. So that way you can pace back up again. It's it, Shout out to everybody. I texted you know, like KP uh, literally in the middle of the match. Like, this is because of the way that the crowd was acting. And I said, see, this is why we call him Johnny Wrestling. <laughs> this is why this is his nickname. Um, because, like, at the beginning of the match, we're talking about the crowd and stuff. Crowd firmly behind Adam Cole. By the middle of it, they were chanting Good Johnny Wrestling. By the end, they were back for Kyle. It was great all around. It's just. It, it's good to hear a crowd, but it's also good to see these guys work. And you could tell that they were just having a, having a ball the entire time. It was great. Yes. To your point, the little moment there, there were several times. There was once where Johnny did the run around where he got his offense in on everybody. That was cool. But there were a couple other times where somebody else hit their move, and it might be a finish, and then he gets a final heartbeat, or he gets a super kick in on it, or he slides in. Slingshot DDT out of nowhere. It's just. Yeah, and remember too, Johnny's one of the Johnny and O'Reilly both are two of the great tag team wrestlers of all time. You know, and and that that knowledge base allows them to understand these multiple man matchups and how they should work in a way that a fantastic singles wrestler might not get. You know, which is another reason why you book Cameron in the, uh, why you carry him in these scenarios where he's fighting all of them at one time and then he gets out of the way so we can have this tornado scenario, right? And then again, he's back in it and he fights everybody at one time. And then, then we get back to these wonderful se- sequences where everybody's fighting again at one time. Another thing, then we get to the post-match scenario the other thing and it broke my heart I know it broke your heart Justin told me it broke his heart on in a text Regal uh, McKenzie goes to Regal's office he is walking out the door she said do you have any thoughts on this takeover 
He said, I've been here seven years. It's never been like this. It's completely out of control. What am I to do? Something has to change. And he walks away. And there are tears in his eyes. You forgot about that part. Yes. Yes. Tears in his eyes. William, you said earlier, what did you say about Regal earlier? Do you remember? I do. I... I when I first started getting into wrestling, which was only a couple of years ago, um, the one person who's been consistent throughout all of NXT and the two people, so I have to get three technically, but whatever. Um, but I always considered Regal to be the face of NXT. Like, yes, you have the champions, your Adam Cole's, your Gargano's, your Champa's, your your this, your that. But Regal has always kind of been this constant for seven years. It's be- obviously before me, but for a lot longer than that. And it feels like to have NXT without him almost feels wrong, in a way. Right. It feels sad. I consider him the best, and I love Teddy. I love there's several general manager presences I, I did enjoy, although the vast majority have not been great. He is the best for me GM we've had, like, on-screen character-wise. He's always uh, he's spot on. He's smart. He has that uh, no nonsense background, which fits with NXT. Um, you knew he was a real fighter when he was in WCW, and you knew these things about him. You'd heard these tales of uh, fighting guys, you know, bare knuckle fights and things like that when he was back home as a young man, pre wrestling days, and. So he had this no nonsense rep that lended itself to the product, which is the you know the commercials, the no bullshit commercials or whatever. And I don't know. The rumor is, as we all know, that Samoa Joe may be the guy that gets this this part. Whether it's as a enforcer, we don't know. I it's hard for me to believe that Samoa Joe is really going to get this part. Yeah. Yeah, because of, and I don't, I don't, I don't know if it would be like one of those Drake Maverick situations where it's like, due to popular demand, he's back. But also, it's a thing where I mean, I, would I like to see it? Yes, uh, because I like, I love Joe, I love him as a person and as a character, and I would love to see more of him on my television. Would right. I like him to replace William Regal? I mean, I don't want Regal to leave. Right. It's still the thing, like, and I feel like that might, like, if Joe is the one following him, that might be a stink that might follow him. Hopefully, it won't. But because, like, he's Joe, but it's still something that, like, I don't know. I think this is this is all being played up to be an angle because there's been no indication in the slightest that Regal has any intention of leaving. It's very similar to a Roderick Strong situation. It's like, oh yeah, he totally left, quote unquote, even though it's very clear that he. It's just like it's storyline thing. I'm sure he's gonna be back. Right, right. I um, I I thought it was odd when Ke- when Karrion Cross continued to tell him, "You're losing control. You're losing control. You're losing control." And then to see it like all of a sudden pinnacle like that. To, uh, ah, pinnacle. Ah. Uh, but you get where I'm coming. You get where I'm coming from. To see it yeah. come full circle like that tonight and actually become a main part of the storyline 
and you know Johnny had been acting crazy with Regal on many occasions and you could see the frustration in Regal in those scenarios and I just Joe would be so pro- see I don't the first thing that pops into your head if it's not Joe who right and Hunter Hunter can't do that right now he could I mean he could absolutely be the no nonsense guy that doesn't take any crap right but he literally has his plate completely full I don't think Sean can play that role. I just, I don't even think Sean wants to be on TV. I think he loves designing matches. And so then you go, well, then who could they bring? I just, I don't, Joe is the only guy that has that. He can't be the only guy, but he's the only one that pops into your mind that has that no nonsense, no BS. He was an NXT champion. It would feel so right. But the key is, does Joe believe he can still wrestle? Yeah, because if you if you wanted him to still be the manager and stuff, it could be that what would happen is it has this kind of Kurt Angle version of it, if that makes any sense, where if he is asked to get his hands dirty in a match... He will do it, and he will annihilate who's ever in the ring, and I think that would be really fucking good right. if they decide to go down that road. But have him be an enforcer of such, of Regal, or be his own manager, getting his hands dirty. Again, I feel like this dude equals out a little bit. If you had him in an enforcer angle with Regal still there, and he is healthy, absolutely you could periodically put him in programs with people and that I don't know exactly how you write into the script that management is fighting talent but you can do it it's wrestling and that fits him perfectly if he wants to work still right um so anyway you had a great night oh yeah oh yeah heartbreaking at the end great night all overall me too man me too I just love pro wrestling it's so much fun and my wife said to me the other day we were watching a different uh, special event. I can't remember which one, but she was like, I like these episodes better than the than the weekly ones. And I was like, well, yeah, I mean, all they do is wrestle. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's why it's a pay- that's why they used to make people pay for these things instead of whatever, $2.95 with Peacock, right? But um, anyway, absolutely hope you enjoyed listening to us. Uh, we enjoyed TakeOver. This has been a Go Home Heat production. Uh, copyright 2021. Check out our friends at the GIN Project, the G-I-N-N Project.com. Nick. From Atlanta, Georgia. Go. Oh.